Hello there, Ed Goodman here, and welcome once again to the Freelance Heroes podcast. Now, early May 2020 is when we started these podcasts, and three and a bit months later, I thought now might be a good time to take a bit of a reflection on the many lessons that we've learnt over these 15 shows so far. So today I present to you top five tips to help you as a freelancer. I should stress, by the way, these are not the top five tips. There are so many to be presented to us that picking the best five is A, too subjective, and B, might take me the next 15 weeks to find them. So these are top five tips that will help you. And of course, if you want to know more, then you can listen to the 15 episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. And I'd love to know which of these tips resonates with you the most, or if you've listened to them, which ones did I miss that should have been in here, if there were indeed the top five tips. So email me podcast at freelance-heroes.com or search for hashtag freelance heroes across social media as well. So top five tips is today's episode. Enjoy. We start with tip number one, of course. Good place to start as ever. Uh, And Merle Calvert is the CEO and founder of Ferilio, which is a legal service for freelancers and has been a massive supporter of not just freelance heroes, but of the freelance community as a whole. And Merle gave us so many reasons as to why freelancers have been so important to the setup and growth of Ferilio. But in this tip, I asked her... For any of the freelancers listening, what would be the best tip she could offer to those freelancers who are looking to pitch to businesses like Merleys uh, to help them get the gig and, and to provide that support? So here we go. This is our answer. Making it personal. Um, find the person who is most relevant to you. Um, do your homework. I mean, freelancers do this far better, I think, than organizations. There's a lot of organizations who have salespeople who do not do this well. Um, But make it personal. Get to know the people in the organization. Um, Showcase your skills. And in a non-pitchy way, I think, again, I see freelancers doing this so well, so often, Ed, and, and frankly, they should be the people teaching a lot of the corporates how to do this you know it's the engagement on social it's the commentary it's the you know sending the odd blog or report or whatever it might be to the person that they're trying to get in touch with and saying you know I saw this and thought of you essentially sounds a bit cheesy but it's that you know I thought this would be interesting because I saw what you said the other day I mean it's that personal communication um as I said, I actually think the freelance community do far better than than the corporates. But it's again, it comes back to people buying people. We'll have to put a little bit of legwork in. And and right now, you know, everybody is hugely distracted by going into survival mode and and managing their own headcount. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges to the free freelance community right now is, you know, corporates are slashing headcount, um, and they're trying really hard not to in most cases. Um, so any offer of, of support right now needs to be made or any engagement needs to be made with that in mind. Having said that, I think there are terrific opportunities perhaps who know that they need to do particular things well, but they definitely can't afford to recruit people. Um, and in some cases, they've furloughed a whole lot of staff too, but now they have new orders coming in or desperately need uh, support with particular activities. 
So there's still definitely opportunities, but you've you've got to be front of mind. You've got to be connected to the people who, you know, are the decision makers or who influence the decision makers. Um, and I think it's just about being smart with that. No, nobody is going to respond well, or very few people anyway, respond well to a LinkedIn DM that just says, I can do this. Shall we have a phone call? Um, you, you've got to be smarter than that. It, it's right. got to be about connection and humanity. It's no different, as we've always talked about before. You know, if you walk into a room of people that you don't know at a party or at a conference, you don't walk straight up to a person that you don't know and say, hey, I'm X, I do this. Can I give you a call? Um, you, you, you've got to ease your way into um, the conversation. For tip number two, we're going to talk about co-working and who better than Bernie J. Mitchell. Now, co-working spaces, like so many, have been hit by the COVID pandemic and so many have shut their doors, some of them for good. But co-working spaces have been an invaluable resource for many freelancers. And on the other side of that, many freelancers don't understand what co-working spaces can really do to help them. So this tip is Bernie's way of understanding not just why co-working spaces are great, but how to get the best out of them to help your freelance business. So tip number two. Over to Bernie. When we are flowing around as a you know society again, is to I, I when I like when I go to a city that I haven't been to before and I look up co-working spaces, I, I look for who's doing you know which co-working spaces are aligned with the people I'm 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 aligned with. So I will I will go onto Twitter and I see like co-working space A has um you know Steve Morgan and Ed. Goodman and Annie and Deirdre and they've read these books and I know they're not idiots and then I look at another space and it will be like you know had a 10x your business and you know we've got you know we're pumping iron with you know business megastar and I mean like, that's not my cup of tea so I won't go there and it, it, there's all these little signals I think that's the word it's all these little signals a place gives off so you might have I said a lot of times you know shiny desks and this type of chairs but there are places with that kind of decor that are full of heart and soul so it's not just the way it's it's made up um and then always look at the events they're doing look at who else is connected to the space and then and then just go there and if you walk in you feel like there's a difference between feeling nervous going somewhere new and feeling nervous I want to get out of here quickly because these aren't my type of people in a you know zombie apocalypse type of way when, when you go in there I know it sounds vague, you'll just know whether it's a good place for you or not. We now turn our attention to the imposter syndrome and Kate Atkin has dedicated so much of her life to the study of the imposter syndrome or to give it its proper name, listen to the episode, The Imposter Phenomenon. So I put your questions and there were so many that you gave me. It just goes to show how impactful the imposter syndrome is on the lives of freelancers. Here is just one of the questions that I put to Kate and her answer. How do you overcome, and you mentioned this yourself when you go and talk, how do you overcome that pit in stomach feeling when you know you can do something, you have done it before, but because you don't use all the fancy words and terminology that biz, big companies use, you feel like you're not doing it right? Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll ignore just for a moment, and you might need to remind me, the big, the big fancy words bit, mm -hmm. uh, because how do you overcome the feelings? It's to start to talk about it to somebody. But don't talk about it to somebody who will go, what, you? You're amazing. Because that is totally unhelpful when you've got imposter chatter going on. 
if somebody tells you you're amazing, A, that's a big accolade. I mean, it's nice to have, but I've got absolutely no reason to understand why I'm amazing or what I do, why that is amazing. So if you're going to give somebody an accolade, don't make it too high a one. You know, you're great at what you do because dot, dot, dot. So when you talk about it to someone, talk about it to someone who's going to support you rather than just give you this pat on the back and say, nah, you're brilliant at what you do. Just crack on and carry on because that's not helpful. Love that. The because dot 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 bit. I mean, that sounds like a simple, but I can, I can feel the power in that, yes. that, that advice. We, we really need specifics. And, and that's one of the other things that can really help us overcome it is for us to start to collect the specifics. So I know there's some pieces in, in the questions that, that, that were raised because you pinged them over to me in advance as well. And, and we're, we're going through them sort of in a, in a different, different angle, different order and all the rest of it. But there's some bits about evidence and feedback. And we need to collect the evidence, but we also need not to dismiss the evidence once we've collected it so everybody says oh ask for a testimonial from your client and then you get this glowing testimonial that tells you what you did and it maybe also helpfully tells you what specifically you did which is brilliant and then you are oh, yes but they're just being kind or they're just being nice to me or it's just because I asked or they didn't dare write the truth or and we tend to dismiss it what we need to do is we start to accept and acknowledge that actually what people are telling us is true is what they want us to really hear and one of the biggest things that but isn't that two different things though because you say oh. yourself that it's true and then you say that it's about what they want us to what hear they they're not necessarily us. the same thing though well no it is uh, well i i, I, I mean maybe that's just a cynical view but you know <laughs> exactly. and i'm not saying that's not all the time no, but, but someone with imposter true. syndrome might believe that yeah exactly because because what happens is um when i'm saying what they want us to hear they want us to really get what we have done and that it's made a difference for them in their in their business what the service that we've provided was good that's what i mean by they want us to hear they don't want us to hear the internal chatter that dismisses it we need to start to look at the external evidence with a level of objectivity rather than subjectivity and if you collect the evidence somewhere so we store our testimonials lovely linkedin ones that can be great we can store them in an email folder as well that can be great you can look at them and you can dismiss them and go ah oh, but or you can look at them and go, yes, and. And the yes, ands are, yes, and I learnt this whilst doing that project. Or yes, and I use this particular skill or knowledge or ability whilst doing that project. So you yes, and your positive feedback rather than are but it. You don't have to do it out loud. You don't have to go, oh, yes, and aren't I great? You know, this is fabulous. Let me go and tell the world. But you do need to do it inside because the imposter chatter is an internal thing. So we start to we need to look at and talk to ourselves in a way that combats it on the inside. Mental health is a topic that frequently comes up amongst freelancers, well, everywhere. So we dedicated episode 10 to putting your questions to psychologist and scientist and author Dr. Meg Arrell. Here is just one of the questions and Dr. Meg's answers that focuses around a positive mindset. It's a uh, very uh, uplifting kind of listening to you and listening to your techniques. And, um, you know, you put a plaster on an injury um, when it happens. But how do we build this optimistic mindset in ourselves mm -hmm. to minimize the risk of um, becoming stressful or anxious? So the very, very best way is to practice daily gratitude there is a large amount of evidence um, to support this. And it can be as simple as every day when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, think of three things you're grateful for. And they don't need to be huge. Um, it could be, you know, seeing 
a smile on your children's face. It could be actually it's a nice day. It could be I've just had a good night's sleep. And it, it can be something bigger. Of course it can. But the daily practice, as we talked about before, is incredibly important. By doing this, we are essentially rewiring our brains every morning to look for the good and to be optimistic. And there are other ways we can do this. We can keep a gratitude diary. You can play gratitude bingo. I quite like that because you can involve the family. Okay, so you, you just you know you get a piece of paper, you split it into um, squares, and everyone thinks of things that, in general, they're grateful for. And every morning at breakfast, or when everyone's together, you have your bingo chips and you place down what you're grateful for every day. And you can either just do that as a simple exercise, or either you can talk about it more. And having that interaction, that conversation, looking at the positive, it's so powerful. But again try even for a few minutes every single day and that will just shift your mindset to something that is so much more open to experience and it really does have a profound effect that's do you know the irony of that as well is that it's a conversation whenever we put our kids to bed we have a conversation with them about the things they're grateful for every day but i never think about doing it for myself i don't know why and i suspect yeah. i'm not alone there um but it's uh, of course absolutely and, it, and i like the simplicity of that too um sorry go on and you know what? Your kids will be fascinated to hear what you say. You know, that's, that's such a, a special thing. So if you're reading to your kids at night or whenever there's a time you're together, they, they will gain so much from you to see you as these positive parents that are really, you know, grateful and have this attitude of um, gratitude, basically, in life. And that will set them up so well for the future. It wasn't just mental health that we looked at. In episode 11, I spoke to physiotherapist Catherine Pedden and put your questions to her about how we should be sat in a chair and what exercises we should do in our often sedentary lives. And this question specifically looks at the equipment that we use and whether the investment, the financial commitment in that equipment is worthwhile. You can spend a lot of money on these things. Getting, you know, chairs themselves can be incredibly expensive I mean, and, and, and I suspect they work better as a result. I don't know. Um, so, you know, what do we need to what do we need to buy, if anything? Well, it's a bit like it depends. It does depend on the individual. So I don't want to make any judgment on anyone who massively benefited from a particular ergonomic mouse because we're all starting from a different start point. Sure. Generally speaking, however, it's a bit like trainers. You don't run well because of your trainers. You run well because your body's in good condition. So I wouldn't go out as your first port of call and buy a 500 pound chair and, and think that that's going to solve the problem because it's not going to. Mm. It might be the fact that you're working 14 hour days and never getting up. It might be the fact that even though you do lots of exercise, you're a cyclist. So the muscles at the top of your thighs or the bottom of your hips are very tight. And so that affects your posture as well. So your hip flexors, I would give you a stretch for that instead. Um, again, the chair isn't going to change that. Yes, it can be prescribed to relieve the symptoms of a problem. But again, you would always want to, well, what I try and do with physio is to get to the root of the cause of the problem, which might be your posture, or it might be a pre-existing condition that you didn't even know you had until you sat at a desk for nine hours with it, um, and so on and so forth. What I, so don't go out and buy stuff, get yourself assessed properly. And you might find that just literally a heat pack to your shoulder is what you need, or a bit of a strengthening exercise for a particular part of your body to help support your posture. 
Um, it might be that sometimes you have a job that you just cannot avoid that load on your body. And yes, then you might want a nice soft wrist report, uh, wrist support. You might want to have an ergonomic mouse that costs a little bit more because you can't avoid those demands of your job. You just have to keep working. And I appreciate that. If you're writing a book and you're having to do really long days and you've got a massive deadline and it's stressful. Yeah. You know, buy some, buy some things to make you feel better and alleviate those symptoms. But as soon as you have the opportunity, work in some exercises to your life that are actually going to make your body stronger and more robust alongside the improving the posture and the setup of your desk that will stop that problem occurring in the first place. That wasn't episode 11 at all. That was episode six. Where do they go? So there you have it then. There are your five tips, just some of the lessons that we've learned so far in the Freelance Heroes podcast. When you're pitching to a business, use your individuality and make your pitches personal. Get the best out of co-working spaces by asking them what they do for freelancers. Get constructive and specific feedback from your peers was pitched through, was tip number three even. Uh, tip four was practice daily gratitude. I particularly like that one. And tip number five was, well, you don't run well because of good trainers. You run well because your body's in good condition. But I have a confession to make, dear listener. There's one more tip to come. In episode 15, we met Sarah English, who was down to her last 66p before she asked for help in the Freelance Heroes community, putting herself out there, bearing all, if you like, to uh, explain how her business had got in more to the point how bad her business had got and what she got was just uh, an absolute barrage of solutions to help her business it's a fascinating story but there's one particular tip that stood out from that last episode and this is it I would say drop your pride and ask for help um, it's I can't say any more clearly than that it's if you sit there and struggle on your own you will be on your own but the resources are out there and just go out there and ask put yourself out there you're not going to be shot down put yourself out there and ask for help what a positive tip to end this episode on and i hope you found them all positive really uh, if there is anything you particularly want to learn more about anyone you think i should specifically speak to to help you in your freelance business or if you're someone who works with freelancers truly understands the pain and pleasure of freelancers then do email me podcast at freelance-heroes.com or use the hashtag freelance heroes across social media and it'll be wonderful to connect with you my thanks to Merle Calvert, Bernie Mitchell, Kate Atkin, Dr. Meg Arrell, Catherine Pedden, and Sarah English at the end there. And thank you very much for listening too. I'll see you again next week. Bye for now. <laughs>